listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, welcome to another episode. Uh, a little bit of news coming out of Lakers land, but before we get into all that, don't forget, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And don't forget to check out silverscreenandroll.com. We got you covered for everything Lakers, stats, opinions, analysis, you name it. It is all at silverscreenandroll.com. Joining me for this episode, a guy who writes for us and also is a part of the podcast team as well, Alex Regula. Alex, what's going on, my man? Jazz, it's pretty good, dude. Uh, it's really hot out here in the Valley, so there's not much to do. Uh, there's no basketball right now, so it's getting kind of boring, but I'm glad to be back on here and uh, talk some Lakers. What's, uh, what's the temperature getting up to there? It, it was 104 earlier, Ooh. Ooh. so yeah. So, oh, yeah, uh, that's the point. you got to stay inside with the AC rolling. And, and just, <laughs> see, this would be a good time to have basketball on, so at least you get to watch something. So I'm kind of excited for the World Cup coming up in, in August because it'll give us a little bit of a basketball fix before you know training camp starts rolling around and whatnot. Yeah, hopefully not like 10 or 12 more players drop out or something like that. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully Coos plays and we can see his new uh, jump shot in, you know, in person on film. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You're a big, you're a big Kuz, you're a big Kuz advocate. So you're hoping that his uh, his shooting improves. Am I correct? Uh, I mean, I, I I like Kuz. Like I don't, I'm not as down as I think most of Lakers Twitter and most of Lakers fans are. Um, but I think his jump shot is is definitely a key here about him getting back on track. And if he can just hit those rookie numbers where it was like 37, 38 percent, then I think he should be fine. I, I think his role is going to be more defined this season, where they're not going to ask him to do too much or average 20 25 points just hit your open threes get better on defense and it should be fine and happy birthday to Kuz too it was actually on uh, July 24th we're recording this on Sunday the 28th so happy birthday to Kuz only 24 years old feels like he's been around forever though in a weird way doesn't it it does I, I think because he when he was drafted he was on a little bit on the older side compared to other rookies and I think people hold that against him but he, like you said he's only 24 guys you know they're not even hitting their prime yet so hopefully he takes a few steps forward this upcoming season yeah, I think he'll 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 have a, a big year. We're going to be breaking down pretty much while each component of the Lakers from the roster to the front office to the coaching. Uh, we'll be doing that on our Silver Screen and Roll podcast network. So like I said, don't forget to subscribe. I wanted to jump into some news that came uh, just at the kickoff of the weekend on Friday. Ryan West, son of the great, the logo. Jerry West uh, ended up leaving the Lakers. He's been around since 2015. Uh, he was uh, taking on the role as director of player personnel uh, nothing too, uh, you know, not not too big in, in the bigger in the in the grand scheme of things. When you look at kind of what changes are going to maybe happen with the office, uh, one of the things he said there, and I'm quoting, he said, uh, "West has been well regarded league wide for his role in many of the Lakers' draft successes of the past decade. How many draft successes have there been in the past decade for the Lakers?" I I, I think I, I mean I think it depends how you view some of the guys at at the moment and and. I guess it depends, you know, if also in context of where those guys were taken. Like a Jordan Clarkson, you know, he's not a hugely effective player in the NBA, but when you get a guy like that in second round who could be a starter on some teams, I think that's definitely a good value. And I think he's hit on those those second round guys like Zubats and those late first round guys like Hart and Larry Nance. So I, I think with the front office is how dysfunctional as it's been, the drafting and the, the scouting department has been the only kind of consistent thing. And I think Ryan West, was given a lot of credit for that. And he's been kind of one of the low key effective guys in there that people are really high on. And they, they want to see him get promoted, if anything, not kind of let go. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan West joins another team here soon. And 
I think um, it sounds like it was mutual, and it sounds like maybe he has something else lined up, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of teams who would be interested in him. Yeah, it's interesting because Ramona uh, Shelburne came out and she tweeted it too that uh, the team and, and Ryan West decided to part ways. And again, I'm quoting here from, from one of her tweets. Uh, contract was up. They mutually agreed he'd reached a ceiling with the team in the role he'd been in. That's, that's kind of an interesting, interesting way to say things because I think, you know, you look at it, it's Rob Polinka's show right now. You know what I mean? He, he's, he's, he's calling the shots. He's the guy with the, with the end vote and he's the one who's going to kind of determine whether it's a draft pick, uh, you know, signing people and going up to Genie and saying, Hey, you know, are you okay with this? But you know, that, that was an interesting way to put it. And obviously with, with the Clippers doing what they're doing, you think there's a chance he's going to end up across the hall because his pops is a consultant with, with the Clippers as well. I think that's like the, that's like the rumor at the moment. Like that's like the easy way to, easy indicator there is he'd probably go join his dad or something. I think the Clippers would love to have him also. But um, I, I think it's also important to realize what you just mentioned about like he hit a ceiling because the Lakers have traded so many of their future draft picks here that they're not going to have as much emphasis on getting better through the draft and see more through free agency and more through adding veterans. So maybe there's not going to be as much importance or, you know, in kind of investing in that department, even though, you know, they probably should because they're going to need some inexpensive talent eventually to surround these, these like top max guys they have on the team. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I think Ryan West is going to be an interesting guy around the league. And I think the Clippers are smart. They're a smart organization. And, you know, I'm sure Jerry West will put in a good word for his son over there. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of job he lands. Yeah, they, they, you know, I'm looking at him to probably get some sort of executive type role and maybe try and grow into being a president of, of basketball operations, you know, similar to what we're seeing with, with David Griffin in, in New Orleans or maybe moving into a GM role. Is that kind of what, what you're thinking is going to happen with him, too? Because naturally, I mean, he's had the experience now. He, he was doing this for better, the better half of four years, you know, four seasons uh, coming up on five years. But just with his his you know, the lineage, he's, he's, he's Jerry West's son. So meaning that Jerry West is going to obviously help his, help his son out anywhere he can. So is that kind of the progression you see for him? I, I think it's definitely something that he wants. I, I think that's maybe why he maybe wanted to kind of leave this, would leave the Lakers because he knows it's probably going to be really hard for him to kind of grow within this organization, knowing that Palinka is there and how Gene feels about Palinka and that they'd probably go elsewhere or outside the, outside the front office to kind of hire someone else in that in that role and I think Ryan kind of maybe knew that he was always going to be kind of maybe not stuck maybe not the right word but maybe have more opportunity elsewhere and uh, I think also worth mentioning is back in June they actually hired Nick Mazzella who actually Mm -hmm. works for South Bay Lakers in the director player personnel role so this was kind of something that was going to come sooner or later with Ryan West and him departing the team so I, I think Ryan wants a bigger opportunity, I think. And like you mentioned, I think he's well-respected around the league. And having a dad like Jerry West, who's maybe the most respected front office person in NBA history, is definitely a plus. Yeah, he's de- well, Jerry West is definitely great. I mean, you see anything the guy touches to turn, turns to gold in terms of what he's done. And, and like I said, I mean, you've seen the Clippers kind of you know, make the transition and, and go from that Lob City team to, to what it is today. And, and the way they've structured that and the way they did it, Man, you got to give some credit to to the Clippers. As much as it pains me to say that, you have to give some credit to that organization too. And you were mentioning Nick Mazzella. Is that is that someone? I mean, you're you're pretty plugged in with uh, the South Bay Lakers. If you aren't familiar with Alex's work, you can follow him on Twitter as well at Alex M Regla. But Alex, when it, when you've kind of been around the South Bay Lakers, what what do you know about Mazzella and, and maybe what he brings to the table? And is that is that somebody you see on the horizon taking taking on the Ryan West role with the Lakers? 
I, I do. I think Mozilla, for you know, people who don't follow South Bay as as much as maybe other people online, he he's one of the key guys who brought in guys like Jamario Jones, Alex Caruso. He helps develop those guys in South Bay, and he kind of helps scout these guys who fill out the summer league teams and find these kind of diamonds in the rough. And I think that's exactly what the Lakers are going to need with a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis. You're going to need to find inexpensive. Uh, undrafted free agents, second round pick guys, because they traded so many of their future first to New Orleans that they're going to need to kind of invest in finding these uh, these guys who are on the fringes. And Nick Mazzella has been has done a fantastic job. Like guys like Caruso, Jonathan Williams, Jamario Jones. Like we see these guys come up and make immediate impacts. And I think he's kind of earned a, a higher position. And unfortunately, it just kind of came at the expense of Ryan West. I mean, it would be great if we could have both, but I think we came to a point where West wanted kind of a bigger role and Mazzella, you know, luckily got promoted to a role. And I think he's going to do really well in it. What, what does he, is he more of an uh, kind of analytics based guy? Is he a traditional guy? What, what do you know about the kind of his style that he, how he does things? I don't, I don't know exactly, you know, what his, his preferences are and how he evaluates guys. I just know that he's a really well-respected guy in the organization and in South Bay specifically and how, how he brings in certain people, and certain players who kind of, uh, you know, deserve a second chance or deserve a higher, a bigger opportunity to kind of show that they can play at the next level. And he, he's kind of hit on a lot of these guys. Like we saw last season, a guy like Jonathan Williams specifically, who, you know, was undrafted and then came up into the, into the season early on and had kind of had a big role right away with the Lakers kind of needing uh, front court depth. So I think he's kind of shown that he has a good eye for talent and a good eye for players who, are kind of under the radar. And I think that's something that's kind of impressed people within the organization. And I think uh, Joey Buss specifically, who kind of helps in that department is, is a big fan of Mazzella. And I think that's why we see him get a big opportunity. And a guy like Kobe Carl kind of coached the summer league team. We're, we're seeing those guys in the South Bay getting bigger chances here to show that, you know, they can maybe help at the next level for either the Lakers or another team. I, I love me some Jonathan Williams. I, I just like I know he wasn't a guy you're going to rely on to play 10, 12, 14 minutes a night, but just at the end of the bench, I think he was a, a perfect role for that because he would come in and he would get all, he was an offensive rebounding machine. Let's you know, let's put that out there. Not too much in the in terms of his offensive arsenal, but he got a lot of those ugly buckets. So um, it, those type of guys, and you're right, the South Bay Lakers. I mean, you saw Alex Caruso come up through there. Uh, Isaac Bonga was, was getting some love. I, I think that was a little bit overstretched. But, I mean, overall, they've done a pretty good job with, with, the, uh, with the G League team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, of all the things the Lakers have kind of done wrong in these last few years, I think South Bay Lakers has been a big success for them. And I think they've done a really good job using it and sending guys down and getting some run. Like Zubats and Josh Hart, when they were getting a lot of run on the main roster, would get sent down to South Bay to kind of, you know, work on their skills and stay fresh and stay ready. And it's been a good, it's a good thing for this team. And it's a good uh, facet that they can use. And I think, I think a guy like Mazzella has shown that they can use South Bay as almost like a training ground for players and also for the front office, if they can maybe invest in talent on both the court and off the court. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how, how they, they structure this and how much more of an opportunity some of the South Bay, South Bay guys are, are going to get going forward, especially with the team, as you mentioned, as, you know, be as constructed going forward in terms of they don't have a lot of draft picks. You, know, you basically don't even yeah. need any friggin' college scouts right now for the next four years because 
unless they purchase picks in the second round, uh, they don't have to put too much stock into into who's going to be available. Of course, that's that's pending. They make some trades or not. I uh, wanted to get into something with you. Jason Kidd, specifically, uh, Frank Vogel talked about it. You can read this article on silverscreenandroll.com. Uh, Harrison kind of got, got into one of the things that Vogel was saying during a media availability where he was comfortable with Kidd. But I want to get into what, what the Hall of Famer's role is going to be going forward, and we'll do that after this short break. All right, and we are back. Just before the break, I said I wanted to get into Jason Kidd, what his role is going to be with this team. Uh, Frank Vogel, uh, as I mentioned, was quoted. Uh, Harrison did a good job of summing things up there. Uh, recently, he was talking to Chris Mannix of, of uh, Sports Illustrated and basically just talking about what Jason Kidd brings to the table. And, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, for him, uh, having a guy who's a former respected player on his staff that has coaching experience, and you look back, he had Brian Shaw on his staff, uh, Nate McMillan, Corliss Williamson, uh, the big nasty used to love the way he played, especially in his days in Arkansas. But um, when you when you look at 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 his role on on this team on the bench, like Jason Kidd is not hasn't been like a model NBA player. He also had a lot of drama following him. He had some issues with domestic violence with, with his ex wife. Uh, you know that 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 obviously plays into it. And he's he's had a lot of drama around him. Do, do you think he's going to be kind of sitting in the background? Because I'm of the belief that listen, if the Lakers go on a bit of a losing streak, let's say they go on a stretch where they go three and seven. Two and eight in a road heavy schedule. The pitchforks are coming out, and people are going to be wanting to come after Frank Vogel. Correct? Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I think if the Lakers kind of struggle early on, that Frank Vogel is definitely going to start. And we're going to start here reading some articles or articles or leaks coming out there that Frank Vogel is kind of on the hot seat in his, you know. Uh, it's also important to remember that reportedly Jason Kidd is the highest paid assistant in the NBA. Like that's, I think that's a big thing to kind of remember when it comes to him. And it seems like the Lakers front office are very high on Jason Kidd and they kind of made him a big effort and try to convince him to come being an assistant. And I think there may have been some type of indication like, Hey, you know, if Vogel struggles early on, or if he struggles with this team midway through the season, like you may get a chance here to kind of take over and be the head coach and, He's kind of had a history of kind of not sabotage, well, maybe sabotaging his own benches and trying to work himself into that head role. And I think a lot of Laker fans, a lot of Lakers, Lakers Twitters kind of afraid that he might not, he might do that a Vogel and maybe kind of weasel himself into a role that he might not deserve. Because, you know, looking back in his, his career with Milwaukee, his coaching career, I mean, they didn't. It seems like he underachieved based on how they performed last year without him and with under uh, Budenhauser, who won Coach of the Year, and that team looked great with a, a different system. So it's going to be interesting to see how what exactly Jason Kidd's role is here, if it's on the offensive end or on the defensive end. It, I, and I don't get what the love affair is with Kidd. I mean, don't get me wrong; he was awesome as a, as a point guard, one of the best of all time to to ever do it. You look at the numbers he's put up, uh, NBA champion too, of course, but. Like, looking back at the numbers that he had with, with the teams he was coaching, uh, they weren't very good. The Brooklyn Nets, I mean, mind you, the average age of that team that he was coaching was like 43 years old with mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. They were, they were a middle-of-the-pack offensive team. Defensively, they were not very good. You look at his years in, in Milwaukee, uh, the Bucks terrible defensively during his stretch. I mean, they did get up to, and he kind of ran his own, his own little defense where it was, it was pretty aggressive. Uh, lots of, of kind of blitzing uh, on sending two defenders to the ball handler. Yeah. And having ball hawks kind of lurking in the in the passing lanes, but you look at it, um, you know, it wasn't a very good team. He was it was basically bottom third throughout his stretch in in Milwaukee, and you, and you look at his offensive numbers. Other than the 2016-2017 season, the offensive rating of the Bucks was the bottom half of the league. They were 13th that year 
when they went 42 and 40. So I, I don't get what the love affair is with him, other than the fact that he is a respected guy. He seems to be close to LeBron. I, I don't think he's like an offensive innovator or a genius or anything like that. No, and, and I think it was, I, I think one of the positives when he was signed and, and one of the selling points of having Kidd on the roster is maybe he could work with Lonzo. But as a former point guard, as a, a legendary point guard, it could maybe help mold Lonzo into a, the point guard we all thought he could be. But then Lonzo was traded and traded immediately. So even that was kind of thrown out the window about what Kidd could offer this team. And it, it just it just feels like he's more of a headache than than some some type of uh, like a benefit, like a plus. Um, and and like you mentioned, like his time in Brooklyn, his type in Milwaukee, it's kind of important to realize the trend of those teams got better every time he left that organization. Like Brooklyn got better. Milwaukee got better. It's usually not a good thing, right? That's not, that's not a good sign. It's that's, not that's, a good sign. Yeah. yeah. And he's kind of showed to be kind of, although, I mean, he doesn't have too much of a coaching sample, but when he's coached, it, nothing was overly impressive or something that said like, Hey, you know, there's a good coach here. Like we could, you know, there's someone we should try to target. But so I don't know, like, I don't think Vogel was on, totally like calling kid himself and saying hey come join my staff i think it was kind of put upon him that jason kid's gonna be on your bench he's gonna be one of the lead assistants and you got to kind of deal with it so we don't really know where he stands like if he's gonna be the offensive coordinator a defensive coordinator or if he's just gonna be kind of like a player development coach or exactly what but i don't know like i'm i'm not sure how you feel about it like do you feel like vogel has to look over his shoulder this season or do you think kid's gonna kind of play it cool and just let him do his thing a hundred percent. I think Volga is going to be looking over his shoulder the whole time. And uh, SI interviews talking about it. What else is he going to say, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, I, I have the benefit of having a Hall of Fame player on my bench and, and a fierce competitor. Of course he's going to say that stuff. But to me, Volga was looking for a job. Obviously the Lakers, having being the coach of the Lakers, having LeBron James, now having Anthony Davis, um, you know, that is a, and he's, he has to take the role. Um, he can't, a guy like, uh, a guy like, Ty Lue, who's won a probably will get another shot. Hey, I don't know if I'm going to get my another chance doing this because I had a pretty bad run in Orlando. Hopefully he learned from that. Mm-hmm. But having Kidd there, I think he's going to be on a short lease going forward. you got to remember, it's only a three-year contract, right? It's not like the Lakers are, are, yeah. are, are totally you know, invested in him for five or six years. It's like, yeah, things don't work out after a year or two, even a year and a half. And we've seen that with LeBron. You know, How many times have we seen coaches that he handpicks, like, this isn't working. I, w- I want somebody else in there. So... Uh, I think the closeness of LeBron and, and Jason Kidd, I think the fact that Jason Kidd is a Cali guy, he's got his name, uh, obviously a bigger name than Frank Vogel, that Vogel's going to have to be sitting there thinking, man, if we go on a bad streak here and then the rumors start coming out and we know about the Lakers, that leaks will come out with this organization because we saw <laughs> that now, right, for a long time. I think he's going to start feeling the pressure. What about you? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I don't know how he can't feel the pressure. Like, there's been rumors about Kidd joining the Lakers since all of last season when Luke was struggling as a head coach. Like, we've heard Kidd to L.A. for a while now that we know that the front office is high on Kidd for whatever reason. And I think there there is a tie with LeBron, and LeBron seems to like Kidd. And I think that definitely goes a long way in having him on the staff. But for a guy like Vogel, who did sign a three-year deal, which is on the lower end of what coaches usually get you know we usually see four or five year deals for these head coaches so he wasn't given the highest kind of you know security that a coach would want coming into a team that has really big championship goals and he knows that if this team struggles early on or to make the playoffs or anything like that he's probably gonna be gone and kids gonna take over so I, I mean for a guy like Vogel who you mentioned is kind of 
having to relearn his coaching style. And he's talked a lot about kind of learning, going into more analytical thinking and, and value, valuing the three-point shot and kind of going away what he, he did in Orlando and Indiana. I think that's definitely a good sign for the Lakers. But at the same time, they have to show confidence in Vogel and trust that he can do a good job or else his team's going to struggle. Because if the front office isn't showing trust in the, in the coaching staff, then neither are the players. That's right, and 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 you look at you look at his his history as in terms of being a coach. He had a lot of drama. I mean, you look at the, what happened with him and uh, Lawrence Frank. He basically forced the Nets into signing uh, Lawrence Frank to a six-year deal, uh, giving him six million per. I think it was the contract at that point. But basically, got into a huge argument with with kid or with uh, with Lawrence Frank. Lawrence Frank, obviously now with the Clippers, but. Um, there was a lot of friction there, and you look at his time with Jabari Parker. He had some he had some uh, issues with him, even though you know the Bucks had the number two pick with him. Uh, Parker a lot of injuries as well, but I do I think that robbed him of having a, a pretty good All Star career that he could have been. But I mean, it's not like he's been a guy who has, like I said, been a, a model coach and and you know ran things like we said like a tight ship and and maybe had a roster overachieve with him. For him, it's a lot of been been underachieving. So. With his drama, with his with his penchant for for maybe talking, I, I do think that that is going to be an interesting storyline kind of going forward this season. Yeah, um, I want to ask you this: like, how much stock do you put in that the kind of internet rumor that they signed Kid specifically to kind of you know influence Giannis when he becomes a free agent? Because supposedly Giannis likes Kid and he enjoyed playing under Kid. I mean, I'm not sure how true that is. You know, if you if you talk to some Milwaukee fans, they they say they don't really buy that, but. Do you, do you think that uh, signing Kidd and also signing Giannis's uh, younger brother earlier uh, a couple weeks ago? Do you think maybe this is just setting up a big, you know, free agency pitch to Giannis when he becomes a free agent? Of course, this is this is indirect tempering one hundred and one <laughs> by, by the Lakers. This is this is what they do, right? Every free every single free agent from LeBron James back in you know two thousand ten to uh, you know Kevin Durant coming up here and and all the guys that you had this season with Kawhi. And uh, and Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving, it's they're always around. The Lakers are always a threat to get these guys. So I mean, you look at the fact they signed Costas. Uh, you look at the fact that yeah, they brought in Kid. That they're gonna they're gonna make a pitch to him in, in 2021. Now we have heard that Giannis saying, "I there's no chance I'm leaving. I want to stay here." He doesn't see himself with the Lakers, but of course this is this is a setup for that. And I, I also do think when you look at at Kid and what he has to do here to be successful. I think he has to take on more, not of a mentorship role, but because the Lakers have plenty of veterans now. They don't, they don't have a lot of you know, young guys out there that maybe need that direction and, and, and coaching uh, that in terms of that one-on-one care all the time. I think Kid's more going to be a sounding board for the players and, and maybe, uh, may, maybe more of, of somebody who kind of gives them an uh, indirect uh, ear to, towards uh, Frank Vogel. Like they'll, they'll tell him maybe something, there's some concerns, and then you know, Kidd can talk about those with Vogel, but to me, again, I, he's not like a, a guy who you're like, oh wow, you know, Jason Kidd. You don't, you don't instantly think of him as being this down to earth, you know, really level headed, good, uh, you know, good communicator guy. You look at him like, okay, he's Jason Kidd. He has Hall of Fame credentials for what he did on the court, but not hasn't been like a, a great coach or, or a great part of an organization. He forced his way out of out of Brooklyn after that lone season, got that team to the second round. Uh, and and had an unceremonious exit with the with the Bucks too. So I I don't know what the what the obsession is is with him. Uh, maybe that's a part of the greater scheme of things. Is hey, you know what? Let's try and get Giannis here in 2021. But it'll be interesting to see if Kid even sticks around that long. Yeah, and I I hope. I mean, I hope a lot. Of, you know, I bet a lot of Laker fans hope that Kid, after spending some time away from the NBA after getting fired, kind of 
reevaluated how he's handled his coaching duties in the past and kind of showing and maybe he like supposedly he impressed in that interview they've had with him uh earlier in the the offseason when they were looking for a new coach so hopefully he's kind of not reshaped his his mindset on coaching but maybe took some steps forward that are on the positive end and hopefully he does a good job with LA I mean I think a good sign this season to show that kid is a valuable asset is if we don't hear about kid like I think if we start hearing kids name in the news very often I think that's not a good sign and I think that he kind of I I'm not saying he's gonna be the one leaking info but it's showing that he's kind of there as either a distraction or not there for the right purposes of kind of working under Vogel and helping Vogel, not trying to, you know, take over his position or something like that. So I think the less we hear of kid this year, it's going to be a good thing. Well, you hit the nail on the head. That's why you're, you're one of the, the up and coming stars in the basketball world. You hear that, <laughs> right? Alex Regla breaking it down. You're right. Uh, Jason Kidd, the quieter he is, the less, because how often do you hear about frigging assistant coaches? You know what I mean? Exactly. The NBA and, and you're right. His job is to be there, be in the background, do your job and, 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 just keep out of the news. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I think we'll know by, you know, the end of December what Jason Kidd's going to be like here as a part of, of this organization. Because, um, the, like I said, the rumors come if, if the team struggles and, and maybe Frank, I think Frank Vogel, Vogel will do a good job of setting up the defensive scheme. Now, does he have the players that have the individual skill to be great defenders? That remains to be seen. But I think on the offensive end, especially if the team struggles and maybe things aren't, aren't, aren't moving very, you know, in a, in a, in a fluid way and, and the offense and the, it kind of looks at a sink, then especially I think you're going to start hearing all these things of, you know what, Jason Kidd, he, he's, he's the better, you know, better option right now. Maybe we should tar- shorten up the leash on Vogel. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, it's inevit- uh, inevitable that if Vogel struggles, Kidd's name is going to be brought up in the news right away. And I think it's something that Vogel knows. I think... Vogel realizes the situation he's in, the pressure he's in as the Lakers head coach. There's clear goals here of being a championship contender this year with Anthony Davis, LeBron James. I think he knows when he took the job that there's a lot of expectations for this team, for a Lakers team who hasn't made the playoffs in in quite a bit here. So, and having a guy like Jason Kidd looking over, you know, look over your shoulder for a guy like Jason Kidd, there's a lot of pressure on Vogel who, you know, since leaving Indiana hasn't really been a totally successful head coach. So he has a lot to prove here. And I think so far, all of the things we've heard from him, all the reports we've heard from him have been good and positive. And he's really hitting on all the notes we want to hear as Laker fans that he believes in analytics. He's kind of learned from his coaching mistakes in the past. And in this past year, I supposedly he he's met with a lot of different coaches and has learned from a lot of different coaches and has, has grown as a head coach, which is exactly what we want to hear. And we want to hear the same thing about Jason Kidd in his time off that he's learned from his mistakes and he's gotten better or we're going to be kind of stuck in a situation like Milwaukee or Brooklyn where this team's going to be better off when Jason Kidd's off of it than on it you know it's 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 funny because it's like every time new coaches pop up and they have these they all sound awesome you know what I mean it's true (laughs) this is is the guy and it doesn't matter what sport it is whether it's a manager in baseball coaching basketball football hockey whatever it is you're like wow you know what he sounds like he knows what he's talking about and and, and, you know he has a good plan going forward but as Mike Tyson used to say, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. So we'll see what happens with, uh, with Frank Vogel when the, when the season rolls around. We'll wrap up on this. I'm going to put you on the spot a bit. At some point, will Jason Kidd be the head coach of the LA Lakers in the next three seasons? Oh, man. Uh, unfortunately, I, oh, man. Yeah, probably. Like, I just think it's, it's very likely. Like, if they don't make the – say they make the playoffs and lose in, like, the second round or something – 
it's easier to shake up the coaching staff than the roster, especially after trading so much of their assets away, that that's the, the place where usually change happens the easiest. And I, I think that uh, they brought in Jason Kidd. They targeted Jason Kidd for a reason. They made him the highest paid assistant coach in the NBA for a reason. Uh, I think it's uh, there's definitely an interest there. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think eventually if Vogel struggles and LeBron kind of gets in the ear of the front office, that kid might be a better fit. It's going to happen. And like the Giannis news, like 2021, whenever he becomes a free agent, like they're probably still going to want kid in there for whatever reason to kind of uh, pitch him. So I don't know. I, I, I hope not. I, I hope I do hope that he learned from his past mistakes and has gotten better as a coach. But I just think this is the road we're on at this point where kid becomes the head coach eventually. And I think uh, Vogel's got to do very well here, especially early on to keep his job. Oh yeah. And I think that is going to be the number one, because last year for the Lakers, you know, the storyline was it developed into once, once LeBron got hurt and we got to the back half of the season, it, it started getting into more, okay, you know, what's going to happen with Anthony Davis, right? That, that just consumed the Lakers once it was kind of obvious that the team probably wasn't going to get in the playoffs. Um, they, they had this, you know, the cap space coming up. It was free agency. And, and that was kind of the side storyline off the court. And I think this is going to be the big storyline off the court with this team is the Frank Vogel, Jason Kidd dynamic. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they have the players in place they've wanted. The roster, a lot of these guys signed for two, three-year deals, which is kind of new for the Lakers, that there's not going to be a totally different roster next year. It's going to be most of these guys back. So, again, the coaching staff is usually the place that's easily easiest to, like, flip around and shuffle out new players and new coaches in. So, yeah, Vogel, Vogel's definitely going to be on the hot seat right from the season start here. Yeah, that 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 dynamic will will be will be a storyline going throughout. Uh, Alex, what do you guys got coming up on the podcast this week on 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 your uh, show coming up uh, for for the next one? So I think uh, Alex and I are going to be talking about uh, Demarcus Cousins's uh, upcoming season, and we're really excited about talking about Demarcus Cousins because we we both are really high on him, and we're really excited about having him on the roster and specifically for how low he we signed him for and how big of an impact we think he could be if he gets close to being back to healthy and and his uh, chemistry with uh, Anthony Davis and even with Rondo. So, yeah, we're looking forward to previewing uh, Boogie. For sure. Boogie, I think, is, is going to be the X factor for the Lakers. Um, you know, not as important as AD or, or LeBron, but as somebody who they need desperately to have a good season. You're excited to have Boogie on the roster. We're excited to have you on the roster with us at SilverSpeedandRoll.com, <laughs> Alex, right? Man, thank you again for having me on, though, dude. I, I love the show, and I'm, I'm always happy to be on here. Oh, it's always, it's always fun talking with you, man. Thanks again for doing this. Thanks, dude. All right, that's Alex Regula. You can catch him on Twitter at AlexMRegula. Writes for uh, SilverScreenAndRoll.com. Also does a weekly podcast, as we just talked about. And don't forget, subscribe to our network. You can catch us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. We are there. That does it for this episode. I'll talk to you all next time.